What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club! I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of different places on the internet. We are live over at Crowdcast, we're live over at YouTube, or maybe you're listening to the podcast later, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your audio. It's all good, bro. Now, we have a packed... Yeah! Oh, wow. <laughs> we have a packed do it song. Again. I do hey. Boothman Prime's a it's, it's 2022. Alex bringing the hype. <laughs> Should I keep doing that all no, show long? Stop. I think I can't tell if the tech is broken or if the Alex robot's broken. I mean, either we way, it doesn't update really the matter. firmware and the Zalbatron 5000, and it Zalbatron. needs a boost. Now, as Pete was trying to say, though, uh, we do have uh, some exciting news for a former member of the show. Pete, take it away. Former? We're just, you know, in between. R.I.P. R.I.P. Oh, my God. <laughs> Boothman Prime is a father. Congratulations. Congrats. If to you need context on that we used to do the show live at a theater and we had a dude doing the tech we called him bruce man prime um we recently recently a year ago time has lost all meeting had him on the show when he got married at a dunkin donuts now i've gotten a report here in the comments on crowdcast that they did not have the baby at a dunkin donuts is that true pete that is true yes they they went to a hospital I thought baby. all of their life events were now tied to D and D. Yeah, I, I I always actually go to Dunkin' Donuts for any of my medical problems and smart, smart. Like, I, I feel that's call me in the morning. Dunkin' Donuts causes a lot of medical problems, and any baby born at Dunkin' Donuts is immediately smothered with too much cream and too much sugar. Oh come on! Man. Man. Keep telling me my donut levels are too low, and that'll solve my problem. Uh, that's uh, definitely true. That's um, that's how it, I you know it's funny we haven't seen each other in person in so long. I forgot how your legs look. I only <laughs> see your torso <laughs> and your faces. Oh man! Or in yeah. some cases, not your Interesting. faces. Right, Alex. Well, why don't we? Uh, right, absolutely. Uh, why don't we get into this? We have a couple of guests coming later on the show, but first. It's the time of the month when we say thank you to all of our amazing Patreon supporters, all the folks that support us at patreon.com slash comic book club. Anybody at the $5 level and above, we give them a good old shout out here on the show. Shout starting out. with Aaron C. Hollis. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Alayda Fontenot. Amanda Harris. Amy Gonzalez. Andrew Edge. Andrew Primo. Andrew Tillman. Beercat PhD. Benjamin Brown. Carly W. Christina Jaramillo. Chris Terralizzi. Clemens Luer. <laughs> Curtis LaRock. Demand Ryan. Dan Snow. Daniel Wentis. Daniel, I love you, Pete Cabrera. Uh, Danny, whoops. Daniel Wharton. <laughs> there goes that love. <laughs> Sorry, Daddy buddy. Heck. De- Debbie Gloom. Dennis Scott. Derek Mainhart. Dylan L.J. Eduardo Martinez. Emmett Quish. Aaron Dorian. Jeffrey Risher. Gerard Delvillier. Isaac Carter. James Connolly. James Kurtz. Jason Donahue. Jolene. John George. Jonathan Jong. Jonathan McCool. Joshua Gibson. Joshua W. Bronson. Catherine Annenson. Casey Newhaven. Kevin Grimes. Kevin Kleinrock. Karen Broderick. Cody Thomas. My man Kyle. <laughs> Lee Brown. Lawana Thomas. Cute. Luke Asink. Mark Carrillo. 
Mark Zeller. Matt Tice. Megan Thigpen. Michael Tillman. Mitchell McDonald. Nathaniel Diaz. Nelson Calso. Nick Grayson. Off-White Savior. Uh, official CBC chef, Brett Macris, a.k.a. Stray Bullies. Omnia Solart. Oren Dix. Pablo Martinez. What's up, Pedro Pablo? Pedro Arango. <laughs> Pete's Pretty Kitty. Prod Todd. Polly G. You got the Rev Mikey. Rob Bliss. Robert Pantanta. Oops. Sarah Schaffmuller. <laughs> Sarah Schaefer. Also, Robert Pettinato. But oh, go ahead. That's how other people pronounce it. Scott Carpenter. <laughs> Scott England. Stanley. Steve Cook. Tamila Rush. Taylor Bryan. The Big Flood. The Twelve Banch. Thomas Glenn. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. And Zika's Viral Comics, thank you all so much for supporting the show. We really, really appreciate it. You all are very awesome. We could not do this show without you. Now, it's true. especially uh, you, Robert Patatow. <laughs> now, one other thing to mention here as we're going through a little business at the top of the show, we've been asking folks over the past couple of weeks to leave us books. They want us to review in the iTunes comments. Had a great time doing that. We've been reviewing them over on our Stack podcast. We've got a new one here I wanted to read. This is from Ed Dude on iTunes. These guys are funny, and they tell me what I want to know of the comic book world. I've been listening to this show for years and love it. I'd love it for the guys to review Spider-Man, the other. Ooh, mm. yes. Yeah. I remember that. I Very do not good. remember that. I so remember that. I remember yeah, I remember the title, and that's about it. So excited to revisit it. Here's what we're going to do. It won't be on this week's Stack Podcast, but next week's Stack Podcast, we will review Spider-Man The Other. We yeah, will us, revisit that storyline. Yeah, come on. Give us a little bit of time. Calm give us down. a week. Calm <laughs> down. So we're going to review that. And if you'd like to request an old trade or an OGN or whatever to review, just hit us up in the iTunes comments. We'd love to do that. Not whatever. And, you know, something that you like that you no, think like, maybe we'll yeah, like. Literally. Or, you know, a Tijuana like, Bible that you found uh, in, the, in the woods. Yeah, you know, a, good, a good slice of pizza. I'd love to review that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I, pizza, a real whatever, nice slice. Whatever meat accident Pete's eating for lunch. Oh, come days. on, dude. <laughs> Cheese steaks are not meat accidents. Speaking of the opposite of meat accidents, let's talk about delicious drinks, because as we mentioned uh, or hinted at earlier, Stray Bullet, a.k.a. Brett Macris, has been curating drinks for us for months now uh, from different places. This week, we chose a Applejack Negroni. Wow. Which is, yeah, yeah, which is right up my alley. Very exciting. I was drinking this last night. Real good. It's Laird's. Applejack, Laird's Applejack brandy, uh, Campari, and, uh, oh my God, sweet vermouth. And then you do a twist of orange in it. Or, as suggested in the Slack, you take a whole apple and you jam it on the side. That's right. And that's what I did. (laughs) 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 Now, you guys are making fun of me for my large apples, but take a look at the size of this apple, okay? That is a... Are you you sure it's not just closer to the camera? It looks yeah. very close to the camera. Wow. Yeah, no, look at it mine looks big when I hold it's it up there, too. <laughs> yeah, that does look larger. So what's that called? Perspective? Oh, wow. I don't have a good perspective on that, but you tell me what perspective is. Mm, See, what you apple. do is you cut up the apple, and then mm-hmm. you, you put a slice in. You don't See, have to... I wanted to do that, or actually what I wanted to do was take this apple and then hollow it out and make a cup. 
But my wife was like, oh. no, we're going to eat that. Don't, oh. don't you got to be able to sacrifice for the bit. Yeah, come on. No, I, I will say. What about one for Woodland? Don't you get an apple for Woodland? Where's my Whitlin apple? Uh, <laughs> it gets up in the morning. Um, I love comment uh, shenanigans says, where'd you get an apple that big? Alex famously um, orders high-end genetically modified apples That's from right. Fresh Direct, which it must be expensive just to have the, some poor person cart that James and the Giant apple to your door. Even worse, I order it one apple at a time. Oh, man. Yeah. You so just I just have, have them carry one apple to my house, and then I say, thank you. And then I go the way I order another one. Hey, I hope you uh, that tip apple, them at least. The apple guy wants another no. ten pound apple who wants to run it over to his house. <laughs> weird apple guy. Weird apple guy. Well, we have a bunch of people who are not weird apple guys as our guests of the show today. So why don't we welcome them in later in the show? Mark Russell is going to be here, but let's welcome in our first guest. He is the curator and one of the writers of Kolchak, the Night Stalker's 50th anniversary, which is currently on Kickstarter, James Aquilone. Uh, James, hello. Thank you for coming on. Sorry, hey. I butchered your last name right there. I didn't hear. What, what was, how did you say uh, Aquilone? No, that's, that's right. That's well, I goal. did it wrong the first time. <laughs> <laughs> the time you didn't hear, I got it horribly wrong. Alex, yeah. you don't have to admit mistakes that never occurred. That's no, right. Oh, those are your, those right. are called secrets. <laughs> uh, James, this is a very cool project, and uh, as usual, when we bring people on with Kickstarters, you don't need our help at all because this Kickstarter is killing it right now. Yeah, congratulations! Yeah. Thank Absolutely you. amazing. I can um, always but... use one moment though. <laughs> well, you got the CBC, the pre CBC bump, the very mm -hmm. rare bump that occurs before you appear on a podcast. Yeah, looking at it right now, your goal is 14,500 and I just watched it as it switched from 40,000 to it's now at $41,106 wow. as we're talking. That's so awesome. given that Kolchak is not uh, nothing against Kolchak, the hottest property in the world, why do you think there's all this interest in it? Why are all these people so excited about this collection? You know, when I started the project and I started like looking into it, I, I, discovered that there's this huge fandom there and uh there are facebook groups that have tens of thousands of of uh Kolchak fans and nice they post about they post about Kolchak every day uh like 10 to 20 times a day so i was like okay i i think this is going to be successful because i had no idea i mean i know a lot of people love Kolchak, but i didn't know it was so active on social media i'm like what do you how how are you 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 know posting about a show that's been off the air for like 47 years and then find a way to post about it every day so i was i figured people are waiting for something like this you know so when uh when it launched and it just started to take off i was like okay uh, uh you know I, I was right and uh the fans were definitely waiting for a project like this and you, you know you do there wasn't this type of stuff event. i mean moonstone has always done cold check books but there's never been like an officially licensed merch and stuff so now fans can really Exciting. get their hands on all that stuff. Can you walk us through, um, uh, if anyone hasn't been watching uh, 70s television, could you walk us through uh, who Kolchak uh, is and where he came from? Well, Kolchak is a reporter um, who somehow just always stumbles upon monsters. So mm -hmm. like every week on the TV show, uh, every week he, he ran into like a, a zombie or, or a, a vampire. Um, but it did start off as two TV movies. 
Uh, it was first oh, the, the Night Stalker in 1972, and then the Night Strangler in 1973. And they were both written by uh, Richard Matheson. So, uh, you know, it got off to a great start. And then they did a, the TV series, which uh, lasted 20 episodes. And uh, that's all we ever got of Kolchak. Wow. It's wild. But I, I mean, Kolchak inspired uh, X-Files for sure. Feels like it was a yeah. sort of a direct uh, mm-hmm. connection there. So the, the mark has been left. Yeah, Chris Carter was like very open about Kolchak being like the main inspiration for the X-Files. And Darren McGavin even appeared on the X-Files at one point. He was supposed to be on as Kolchak, but but I don't think Darren McGavin like really never liked Kolchak. And he, I don't think he really wanted oh. to do it. And so he ended up not doing it uh, on the X-Files. So he was some other character. Yeah, I think, I don't, I don't know if Darren McGavin would approve of, all this and um, the, the Kickstarter <laughs> or any of it. So he, 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 did, he did not like the show. And I think he, that, that was one of the reasons why they ended up canceling it because he was not happy with Oh, man. It's well, so funny. There's, oh, I feel God, like there's so many actors on those like 70s and 80s TV shows that like hated their job or just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and then the shows become these huge cult right. hits and they like show up to Comic Cons where like, this is not the life I intended. Especially back in the day, like in like the seventies, eighties, I don't think a lot of these act. They certainly didn't embrace like science fiction and fantasy and horror. They, I think they all hated mm-hmm. it. I think we probably started seeing them embracing it more in like the nineties. And now everything is geek culture. So now everyone's like, "Oh, I was always a Star Wars fan," but they all hated it. You know, back then, yeah. they hated. They probably it. want to be in <laughs> westerns or something that makes no sense now. <laughs> yeah, well, well, those are huge at one point. So clearly, even though, uh, like we're talking about, like there is a actual fan base for Kolchak, there also seems to be a comic creator fan base as well, because you put together a pretty incredible team for this. Yeah. How did, how did you approach people? And did people immediately jump and say, yes, absolutely, I write something about Kolchak? Or did you have to sort of nudge them and convince them a little bit? No, that was actually pretty easy because there are there are a ton of Kolchak fans out there. And, and I didn't... I think every horror writer is probably a Kolchak fan. So uh, sometimes I just like uh, took a chance and they're like, yeah, I'm a Kolchak fan. And so I was like, okay. Uh, Kim Newman uh, obviously is a, is a Kolchak fan. Uh, he was doing the uh, audio commentary for the new Blu-ray of the series, which came out in October. So I saw his name there and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to contact Kim Newman. And he like immediately got back to me and I, I, I didn't know him or anything. I was just like, just sending the email out into the world. And he said, okay. So he wow. was in, uh, the first person I asked though, was Richard Christian Matheson, the son of Richard Matheson, who in his own right mm. is, a, a an incredible horror writer and a screenwriter. And I had worked with him on my previous Kickstarter classic monsters unleashed. He wrote a short story for that. So I, Figured, you know, I have to ask him first, and if I get the Matheson uh, seal of approval, then then I'm good. And he agreed to write the in- intro, and he was, he's going to write a, a, a short story, uh, which would be his first comic book uh, story uh, he's ever written. Wow, that's exciting! Awesome. That's awesome. Now, the format of the book is uh, through different eras, uh, right? We see different mm-hmm. decades. Um, why did you go with Kolchak sort of through time? Well, I wanted it to be like a celebration of his life and like, you know, something that would uh, align well with like a 50th anniversary. 
So this has never been done before. Um, to see Lane Kolchak then like every decade's uh, childhood until his uh, possible death. Uh, and I really did want to see Kolchak in high school, you know, working uh, like a high school newspaper. So I said, that would be great. Yeah. And I was like, an original story. And we got David Avalone, who's going to write that. So I was like, that's really cool. So it kind of started with that. And since, uh, you know, Darren McGavin was in uh, A Christmas Story, I said, you got to throw in like a Red Rider BB gun. Nice. Yeah. You know. Oh, shoot your eye out, kid. Yep. So uh, we'll have a story in every decade from the 30s till the early 2000s. And then there'll be three stories set in the 70s. Wow. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, what will people get when they pledge this Kickstarter? Obviously, there's different things for different levels, but you're getting, I assume, the whole collection involving all of the different stories from every decade. Yes. Yeah. All the all the books. Well, there be there's really two versions of the graphic novel. The soft cover will have all the comic book stories and the intro and the essays, but then we're doing a hardcover. And that we're going to actually have another 10 prose short stories, which we're having open submissions after the Kickstarter. So Kolchak fans, if they uh, have any ideas for stories, they could write a short story and submit wow. it to us. And it could possibly. That's awesome. So that's going to be alongside the, uh, the comic book stories. And then they will also have like a one shot comic book, like a, uh, about probably about 40 pages. We'll have uh, three stories from the graphic novel will be in there. So you can have, you, we got our graphic novel, we have our comic book and we, uh, we have something for everybody. Awesome. I mean, anyone out there listening, like if you want to obviously go support the Kickstarter because it's a great book and super interesting. But if you are just wanting to launch a Kickstarter, James Kickstarter is really well laid out. So many different tiers, so many different ways to sort of, it's really well done, James. Thank you. Yeah, I love Kickstarter. I, I did a Kickstarter last year. We did pretty well. Uh, this one's already seemed like it's going to blow that one away. So Kickstarter's <laughs> a fun. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, I'm bad at um, refreshing the page. I'm always like, <laughs> and I, I, I wouldn't even Meaning you're doing it too much or not enough? Oh, oh, oh too much. Wait, wait, too yeah. Much. <laughs> every, every four or five I'm, minutes. I'm, I'm doing like, it right now. Yeah, <laughs> since we've been talking yeah so i love it well and it's, and it's money too so it's like every time i hit that button it's more money you know yeah, yeah. it's a it's like a slot machine but it pays out no matter what <laughs> right I, I i always win yeah well, sometimes, sometimes, people, sometimes people cancel though and then that really annoys me because then it's like wait a minute uh, well yeah. sometimes you lose. investigate and then I email them. Investigate, like, send them letters, find out their home address, <laughs> uh, like all the normal stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> throw, a, throw a brick through their window wrapped in uh, a cold yeah, check comic I mean, book. Like, that's not cool, man. I mean, I've, yeah. people, people actually pledge and then like cancel it like five minutes later. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. heartbreaking. Rude. Just accept that your money's got at this point, all right? And move on to the next thing. That's all I'm saying. Uh, James, how much longer can people pledge this Kickstarter? How long is it open until? I think we have another 30 days. I think we mm. uh, end February 11th, something like that. Right. Nice. Yeah, we Plenty just started. It just launched yesterday. So we're only like a oh day my God, in. Oh, that's wild. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, awesome. that's amazing. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. 
James, congratulations. This project is so cool. I can't wait yeah. to see it go on to clearly incredible success. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. This is this is Keep been... stalking the night. Keep stalking <laughs> the night. Thanks, James. Congratulations. All right. All right. There we go. That was James Acklone, and the book is Kolchak, the Night Stalker's 50th anniversary. And you guys can't see me, is what I'm getting. Is that what's yep, going on? That's yeah. correct. Oh, Why are you doing something funny? Are you doing yeah, something I'm cool? Going, I have so many large apples right now. It's ridiculous. Uh, nice. And Wait, you're you, you, can, you can see my large apple earlier in the show, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, I have it blurred out because I don't want to see that stuff. It's too, yeah, it is pretty it's too weird. But you're in your mid-show clown makeup, right? I feel like I should take off my shirt just for the brief second when I come back on camera. But oh my God. we'll see what happens. That's All right. Scary. All right, man. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the audio listeners are really seeing in their mind's eye now. Alex mm-hmm. is surprisingly hairy chest. <laughs> Perhaps not that surprising. Let's bring in our next guest. We're a big fan of his work here on the show. And he has two DC books that are coming out right now. One Stark Squadron and Batman Urban Legends. His name is Mark Russell. Here he is. Hello, Mark. How are hey. you? Hey, doing good. Good. All right. Well, Mark, uh, I know we checked before the show. Can you hear me now? I yeah. am. You can hear you. Okay. But, you, but nobody right. can see me. So that's nobody good. can. Yeah. Excellent. Just like the fans wanted. Just the a way black I wanted. bar. You've been redacted. <laughs> Excellent. Mark, as I mentioned, we're a huge fan of your books here, and I've really been enjoying One Star Squadron in particular. Um, it's definitely a different mode for DC, even though, of course, you have done your very incisive cultural commentary, biting uh, political commentary type thing. But this seems to be delving very specifically into the gig economy and really uh, in, a, in a very good and very funny way, throwing a lot of classic characters under the bus, did DC take any convincing there, or were they always on board with this concept? No, weirdly, they're the ones who sort of approached me with the concept. Oh, yes. uh, their idea was, when the, what they approached me with is they wanted to do sort of a uh, Justice League International type like story, but it'd be about like uh, superheroes working as superheroes like having to make money at it and then i basically just took that and 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 made the one star squadron out of it using the cast of characters they'd let me use so i think if they did have any pushback it was like no you can't do that to you know x you can't do that to this character uh so it took a little bit of a a, a casting call to find all the characters i could use in the story (laughs) in fact initially uh the minuteman character i wanted to make that our man but they said no Presumably because our man's about to get his own show on the CW and they didn't want him like, you know, jonesing for miracle pills in, in a comic book. <laughs> Fortunately, the they have time. a hero for every time increment that could be yeah. uh, imagined. Out there. Yeah. So I, but I, I had to make up a new hero to take his place. So I made a minute man whose superpowers only last for one minute, which, you know, in a way works even better because it's even more pathetic. Yeah, super funny. Now, I feel like comedy in comics is hard, and uh, you're great at it. But you also have the real deal story, character, drama underneath. Um, I'm curious, which do you sort of approach first when you're writing? Well, it's weirdly the the, the saddest things are usually kind of the funniest to me. So <laughs> I kind of approach them at the same time. It's like, what's the story? What is it? You know. What are what would happen in the real world to these characters if they really had to work in the gig economy? What are the sorts of things they would have to face? And and then usually when I ask myself those sorts of questions, the 
funny things about it and the sad things about it often occur to me more or less at the same time. And, <laughs> and usually they're the same thing. <laughs> so your eyes roll back in your head and it all just, uh, yeah, yeah, sort of, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to make it sound easy. I, I, I do have to work at it, but yeah, it's, it's like a lot of it is just thinking about what the implications are of, of putting superheroes in like the gig economy. And uh, that's, that's kind of the, the basis from which I write the entire series. And also, you know, the other sort of poll that I, uh, polar front that I, I work from is the idea of like red tornado being an android but trying his best to to act like a human being what he thinks a human being should be and a lot of what he thinks a human should be is based upon like his uh his experience as an assistant manager under manhunter and also his experience sort of rubbing shoulders with superman who ironically is not a human being either <laughs> now, given that you do have, uh, you know, speaking specifically about One Star Squadron, but also in general, you do have these very pointed political takes through a lot of your work. I know we're certainly steeped in discussions about the gig economy, but do you do research for this? Are there materials that you're looking back at, certain articles you're referencing or books or anything you know, like that? Weirdly, I kind of feel like Sorry. research is the living I do before I get an idea. Like the research is all the things I'm reading, the things I'm thinking about. And then when I'm approached to like write a comic or I get, I get an idea from a comic, it's usually based upon research I've already done, just the things I'm choosing to read about. And so I think that was my, my research was just sort of like reading articles and, and seeing in tweets and stuff about how people, how the gig economy has affected people's lives, oftentimes how it's destroyed their lives. Uh, And, and, and then that kind of like, whatever that's what sort of like inspires me to, to come up with a title. Mm. A lot of your stuff, this included as you're intimating here is very critical. And I think well said, but critical of capitalism. Do you see anything positive in capitalism or is it all downhill? No, I think that there has been a lot historically positive about capitalism it provided us with the highest standard of living in the world throughout the 20th century. But I think that the difference was that back then, you know, in the 20th century, in the post-war era, when capitalism worked for people, for regular people, you had corporations that felt honor bound to take care of their employees. IBM like had like a, a country club that anyone, even the guy who just put in like the rearview mirror in like a, uh, you know, a, a, like a General Motors car got a membership to like the General Motors club. And, and uh, you don't really see that responsibility on the part of corporate America for its employees anymore. It's now we're now pivoting more to like a gig mentality, a gig economy mentality where everyone's on their own and, and no one's going to take care of you. So even though we've got all the leverage, you've somehow got to like find a way to like provide for your own health insurance to, uh, you know, find an apartment when you're making $1,800 a month. And, and I think that's the difference. That's why we need to sort of pivot away from that sort of, uh the the our old model of like capitalism taking care of us from like well no we need to actively take care of the problems the market is no longer addressing have you ever gotten any notes in response to uh, some of these um sort of underlying themes in a lot of your stories uh from any of the companies you work for notes in the in the sense of like just being like hey that's it. too far uh that seemed a little either not necessarily because they're scared of their own but for the the characters that you're writing toward yeah i do get some pushback sometimes and usually yeah it's character based it's not like you know you you 
you're you're out of you're out of bounds with your philosophy. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like we can't have you know we can't have Fred Flintstone smoking. Yeah. <laughs> right. oh, Even bad. though for he for sure did in some yeah. of the cartoons. There's no way he he's not name selling cigarettes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's more about that. It's more about the sanctity of the characters than than it is about any of my commentary, any of my sort of half baked theories of, of life. <laughs> Well, on the other end of the spectrum, to get back to One Star Squadron for a second, I assume, like a lot of the comic book industry, you're working as freelance. Freelance and gig economy are not exactly the same thing. But is there a temptation there to put in little... They're not exactly. Like, they're not one-to-one, but there's certainly a lot of overlap there. Is there any temptation to put very specific details about your work (laughs) freelancing for DC in this book that is about freelancing slash gig economy. Yeah, there is a temptation and it's a temptation I have given into. Um, (laughs) There is, you know, the, the, the second issue details uh, Minuteman having to go to Comic-Con, you know, which is sort Mm -hmm. of like the bottom rung of the ladder for superheroes to have to like do an appearance at Comic-Con and, you know, like uh, he has to haggle, to get someone to pay them for autographs and stuff, but it's sort of based upon actual experiences I've had at comic cons where, you know, I've been told I can't go into green rooms that people who have played characters I've written have, are, are allowed into, or, you know, just like, you know, you, you feel like almost like you're a, a second class citizen sometimes. Cause they, you know, it's like um, the, uh, the, the green room for people who are, you know, for the guy who played Stormtrooper number 32, Star Wars is very different, and then you can't go in there. But the, you know, before comic creators, they have like like a, like a like a water hose in the back that you can. It's <laughs> a green room, so it was kind of a little bit about that, and also, you know, just about how you um, how how you kind of have to, have to live by your wits. Like what you're doing one day may be completely different than what you're doing the next day and and uh i don't want to spoiler things but there's more things kind of based upon my own experience in the gig economy coming up so i guess like i said before you know my, my life was kind of the research for this one yeah That's well awesome. and also you're in the book so you're technically yeah. you exist in the dc universe i am now. my own creator which yeah, i'm mean, the only being in the universe uh to, to say that um, but, uh, yeah, I put myself in there precisely because th- that, that section was sort of based upon a somewhat real world experience I had. Uh, so I thought that would be kind of funny and a little meta Steve Lieber, the artist also shows up. Um, although I think he's, he's, uh, just sort of in the background in the comic-con scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he's like actually red tornado's neighbor, like later in the, in the series. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Uh, Now, I wanted to ask you about your other DC book because it also has elements of comedy, but it almost goes in the other direction and plays it relatively straight. You have a ongoing story that kicked off in last week's, I think, issue of Batman Urban Legends number 11, focusing on Ace the Bat Hound. And again, though there are jokes, it treats it in a relatively realistic manner. Uh, Why go in that direction? Why was that appealing to you? Well, I think because what really ultimately sort of appeals to me about stories is writing about relationships and about how relationships help us sort of navigate through life. And, and that's what makes uh, the struggle for survival worthwhile. And in this one, I wanted to focus on the relationship between Batman and Ace, his dog, and about how strong that relationship is and about how it, it is what transcends you know, even when they're not together, they still feel that sense of intense loyalty to each other. And it's ultimately what saves them both. 
Well, I, yeah, I really it, love. There's a lot of uh, big. There's big Turner and Hooch energy coming from um, this first, at least the first installment of this. Uh, I take it as a compliment. I'm not sure if it was intended as a compliment. 100 a compliment. A huge Turner and Hooch fan. Um, and the fact that you really deal like that movie really puts in the work of like the sort of intense emotions that the the Ace goes through as Batman like brings him back from his earlier life. And one of the other things I really wanted to kind of talk about this, which is like, you know, we're so used to stories where superheroes just kind of come in and save people. I wanted to do a story where really it's about a, a people, about a, a man and a dog who save each other. Yeah. It's, it's really about the, the heroism is our finding each other worthy of risking ourselves to save, not from just like one person being the savior of everybody. Nice. I, I was a little worried. I, I, I love the, the whole setup, but uh, playing with my emotions at the end of that first uh, arc there, I, I'm a little concerned of, about the fate of those two. <laughs> a bad well, they're, still, they're still alive uh, at the beginning. I mean, yeah, they um, obviously Ace gets, you know, captured. They both get captured. I don't well, know if it's not a spoiler, but, you know, I, I, I guess it is a spoiler. I probably shouldn't have said that, but it's not the first time I've sort of cracked out of, uh, out of turn. Uh, but, but yeah, it, it really does play for some high stakes between these two characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have a couple of other titles that are going right now that aren't necessarily DC stuff. You have a graphic novel, I believe called not all robots. What can you tell us about that? Well, not all robots is about a near future where robots have all the jobs, which of course, you know, very under, near, very yeah, near future. Right, potentially. Under our current economic model would mean that the rest of us would basically just be be uh broke we would we would be destitute and whoever happened to own those uh robotic companies would would have everything uh once once robots take over the job so the way they work around that the way they are able to basically create a world that sort of works with robots having all the jobs is they assign one robot to every human family so every human family has a robot that's sort of their breadwinner but oh, then wow. the but then the robot, you know, resents the family it's been arbitrarily assigned to take care of. And wow. when the robot comes home from work, he just wants to go in the garage and be left alone. <laughs> oh, talk to me. And can I finish the- my can of oil before I have to yeah. deal with all your problems? <laughs> Leave me the Pennzoil. Just go do your oh, own. Uh, but the humans, for their part, live in terror of, like, this giant metal monster that lives in their garage. And, and you know, a certain percentage of the robot's have what they call a glitch rate where they just go crazy and kill their human family. Oh no. So You know, people live in constant terror that their robots going to glitch and kill, (laughs) kill them all in their sleep. Uh, So it really is about this sort of mutual terror created by, by economic codependence, which is really what we all lived on, you know, in like the good old days when everyone was a one income, single, single income, like household. It's like, you know, we all were kind of beholden upon one person to provide for us. And and it created so much economic pressure on that person, usually the dad in the family, that I think it like disrupted a lot of relationships just because the dad felt so overburdened by the responsibility of taking care of everyone. Everyone kind of resented the fact that the dad had all the power about how it's not good for one person to have that much that much power in a, in a family and how it creates mutual resentments. Finally, uh, a terrifying physical representation of our ongoing economic anxiety. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, we got a question in the in the comments um, from Nat Towson. Uh, is it exhausting to be so aware of the problems facing our society? 
Actually, it, it feels therapeutic to me to actually write about it. Because, yeah, I, I live in this terror whether I choose to or not. Yes, it's just by, by writing it, you know, I at least get some of it out of my head. You know, and I feel like I've done something, however small. And writing a comic book about it is about as small as you can get in terms of actual <laughs> activism. But no. uh, you're but our robot breadwinner, Mark. Yeah, you're that's our right. Robot well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, happy. <laughs> I do not resent you. Don't worry. I'm not going to glitch. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I also do think, I mean, in all seriousness, I think there's something to be said for what you are doing in comic books because comic books generally are thought of as very broad superhero battles. That's pretty much it. They were never like that, though. And I think us, uh, you know, hardcore comic book fans, when people are like, God, Captain America's getting political again, we're like, what are you talking about? You're a crazy yeah. person. But that almost feels like the stuff that you're doing, it's double going in that direction where it's uber clear that it is satire, it is driving down on these things. And I think it's important to have that alongside the other stuff that clearly people are interpreting too broadly, you know? Well, you know, I feel like the point of arts in general is to be the sort of mutating gene in the human mental genome that, you know, the, 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 it's the, the genes in us that mutate that are a little different than what's we, you know, they're not just the self-replicating genes that cause us to evolve, that cause us to grow and become different over time. And I feel that's all, what the purpose of the arts is to be that sort of gene that doesn't replicate itself exactly the same, but that does something a little different so that we have the opportunity to evolve should we choose to take it. Uh, that's great. Um, I, and I also feel like comics used to be a little bit more commenting on culture. And I feel like mm -hmm. your Flintstone series, I feel like really everyone was like, oh, we comics can be fun and also make you feel something in this way, as opposed to just being like a, a dark mirror up to society. It's like, no, look, here's a problem that is we're dealing with through humor and these characters that we love. Yeah, I, you know, as, as dark as some of the things are that I comment about, I never want to approach it with despair. I never want to be part yeah. of the darkness. I always want to be like part of like somebody who's like there to like lend myself to that so that we can get through this together. And I think it's the way I always approach it. It's like there, there's got to be a way for us to get through this together as opposed to like, nope, let's just turn out the lights. Go to sleep under the bed. Uh, do you ever want to go back to the Flintstones? Uh, you know, part of me does, but part of me always, when I see, you know, someone making, I don't mean to talk shit about anybody in particular, but, you know, I see somebody remaking a hit, uh, or doing a sequel to a, a, the last hit movie they had 20 years ago. <laughs> I always think, oh, this person real. This, this person's admitting that they that their career is done. Yeah, they hit a wall clearly. Yeah, um, so probably not. Although there is the deluxe edition of the Flintstones that's coming out next month, and I just got my comps in today, and it's really beautiful. It contains all 12 issues of the Flintstones plus the Flintstones Booster Gold crossover I did oh, uh, yeah. with Rick, Rick Leonardi. So I'm really happy with that. It's been my dream for like a long time to see all of it collected in one book. So well, congratulations, man. It's, thank it's, you. It was great. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the the happy ending to the Flintstones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a question here in the comments from Derek Mainhart says, why the title My Bad for your important new superhero universe? Well, I, it's co-created with my friend Bryce Ingman, uh, who writes the half of the story about the villain, Emperor King, and I write the half about the hero, the chandelier. And for those who aren't familiar, uh, the chandelier is like a billionaire vigilante, sort of like Batman. 
Uh, he's the heir to a lamp fortune. Yeah. So he chose to become a knight vigilante called the Chandelier, but his actual real life persona, the billionaire Jamington Winthrop, gets a present for his birthday from this supervillain. He gets a salad shooter for his birthday from the villain Emperor King. And so this blows his mind because he's like, oh, does, has he figured it out? Has he figured out that I'm really the chandelier? And he just torments him. Like, what's he going to do now that he knows? Does he know? He knows. What's he going to do with this knowledge now? And uh, so that part of the story is just about his angst. And then the the, the other part of the story written by my friend Bryce is about the Emperor King and him sort of catching, you know, he's a very bitter, spiteful villain. And he creates this, this trap for this hero who he really hates but gets the wrong hero in the trap and then decides he really hits it off with this hero that he's caught in the trap, but he, but he can't let the hero out. Cause it's like, once it's started, he's got to fall through. So he's got to watch as his new friend is sort of put through 16 different levels of torture yeah. in this machine. Oh, wow. And it's called my dad part because it's, you know, everyone's making these horrible mistakes. And also because it's about this guy's arch nemesis uh, and how he's tormenting his, he's haunting his waking thoughts. Wow, super fun that, issue. I I love that book. Yeah. Uh, the to get back to the DC stuff, One Star Squadron. The first two issues have come out. The third one is still is that next month? Is that right? Yeah, that comes out. Uh, I think in a couple weeks. And Batman Urban Legends is the first of six parts that is running through the title. So is that that's also monthly? That's not like bi-weekly or any sort of schedule, right? Like that. Yeah, also monthly. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and anything else coming out for you that you want to plug before we let you go? Uh, well, the, the sixth and final installment of uh, Fantastic Four Life Story. Another great book that oh, uh, we it didn't talk about, but I'd love, I love the, the, the parts of the Fantastic Four sort of mythology that you picked out. I thought were so interesting and smart. Uh, well, really enjoy that book. It was a, a pure labor of love for me. I'm amazed that yeah. they offered it to me and I'm, uh, uh, it's just been a joy to work on. That's awesome. Well, actually, quick question about that one, because we've talked about this a little bit on our Stack podcast. It is not satirical, exactly. It's much <laughs> more serious. Was there any call they were like, oh, you're going to do like a funny Fantastic Four? And then you're like, no, no, I'm doing this serious one. Or was that, that was always on the well, deck I, at the entire time. Yeah, no, the, the way we approached it from the very beginning was that this is going to be a, a like a, a serious telling of a Fantastic Four life story. Yeah, there's moments in it where you know it's, it's it's funny or people are you know there's little jokes and gags in the background but the main sort of focus is not satire or humor it's about telling the, the story of these heroes having to like live through this common tragedy that forced them all together and remaining family despite all the things that happened to them that's awesome yeah. It's so good. Uh, and this is definitely not a easy, fun question to leave you on, but we do have one over here on YouTube from BJS says, when you look back at your work, do you see ideas, themes, and emotions that you weren't consciously aware of at the time? If so, like what? Wow, that's a mm. deep question. Yeah. I might have to come back to answer that. But I think the thing <laughs> that really kind of, I'm, when I look back on my work, the thing that's kind of I'm most surprised by is, is how much hope uh, I, I put him because usually when I was writing him, I wasn't very hopeful, but it's <laughs> true that there's this, you know, that I, I still, despite it all, I'm somewhat kind of optimistic about the human race and our ability to overcome these problems that I mostly write about. Uh, it's sort of like what Kierkegaard said about Christianity. He thought that like uh, preachers should preach against Christianity, should tell people not to 
not to become Christians and to, uh, you know, ignore the Bible and stuff, because his, his reasoning being that only the true believers would remain. And I feel like a lot of ways that's what I've done to myself. It's like I've tried to talk myself out of <laughs> and, and to like just give up on the human race, but somehow I'm still a true believer. I, I still remain. Oh, man. True believer. Yeah, that's awesome. Mark, Stanley that's awesome. just said it thank the same you. way. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. Big right. fans of your work. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, we'll take care. Thank Thanks, you so Mark. much. Yeah, we'll- all right, there we go. Once again, the uh, two books from DC you should be checking out are One Star Squadron, which as mentioned, the second issue is out on stands now. Also, Batman Urban Legends number 11, which kicks off the eighth of the Batman story. It's super awesome. Yeah, super I can't wait to uh, keep reading that. It's been really cool. He's like a Swiss Army knife. He does the sky. He does it all, and it's really just great work across the board. Yeah, whether it's a corkscrew or a knife or a toothpick that's surprisingly there, he's got it all. A toothpick <laughs> you use once and then put back, and the next time you pull it out, you're like, oh, oh I didn't that's watch gross. This. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Who uh, right. ever washed the toothpick? Why don't we move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question, either an ask a question over on Crowdcast or in the comments over on YouTube. But while you're doing that, let's turn it to this week's sponsor, which is once again, the Blindsided Podcast from the Players' Tribune. Given how they play the game, you might not think that professional athletes are dealing with mental health issues, but that's exactly what the Players' Tribune is tackling with their first-ever mental health podcast, Blindsided. Hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh, the show will share the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and mental health became the most important focus of their lives. Blindsided allows listeners to have an understanding of the different types of mental health challenges people face, whether you're a professional athlete or not. Guests this season include Kevin Love, Paul Bissonette, and Kurt Warner. Blindsided dives in deeper. It gets clinical and allows listeners to leave with an understanding of the different varieties of mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and how athletes in particular face them down. Blindsided is a sports podcast, not only for people who follow sports, but also for those who don't. And now, True. before we go over to your audience questions, we know what Justin and I are drinking, unless, Justin, you've turned to... Oh, yeah. Something I got a, a spruce tip from Racket River Brewing, a brewery Ooh. in Tupper Lake, New York, which is way up Tupper Lake, yeah! Near where bro. I'm from. And Woo-hoo. I was up there a few weeks ago, and it is good. But nice. let me just say, shout out to Brett Macris. This cocktail was fantastic. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Nice. Uh, yeah, speaking of which, I'm still working on that. Still drinking oh. my apple here. That's, That's really not good. how you drink. I don't yeah, need that noise. It. I have a straw. I don't know if I need that noise. <laughs> yeah, that was really not how straw sounds. <laughs> 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 sounds. I'm drinking a little uh, vodka ginger ale right now. A little vodka ginger. Oh, ginger. Nice. Very nice. Very cool. All right. Uh, why don't we go into some questions here? We're going to start with Crowdcast, and I see a couple uh, popping up already on YouTube as well as popping. Popping. This is from Jolene. Obviously, we have a method of recommending books to read, be read, and reviewed through iTunes reviews for you all. But on top of that, what are your thoughts on Patreon polls and exclusives? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, sure. I love to read comics. I'll read and talk about comics all day. Absolutely. Yeah, this was a little discussion on our Patreon Slack today in terms of we don't do a lot of trade reviews or OGN reviews, and certainly part of the way we've been trying to 
in, in a positive way force ourselves to do it is through getting you guys to ask us on the iTunes comments uh, because we like doing it. It's just hard to do that given that we're usually reviewing 20 to 30 card comic books a week, including all the other things we do. Right. But that's not to say that we don't want to do it. So any way we can, we definitely will. Yeah. As long as the comic's printed on, like, my child's clothing or something, it'd be easy for me to read it. <laughs> Absolutely. There we go. Uh, this Anything for is... you to spend some quality time with your kids, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, is from really. TC Brian 5 over on YouTube. Oh, it's for me. Alex, a couple of Ooh. weeks ago, you mentioned the non-comic book reading you did in 2021. Any recommendations? Uh, definitely uh, not. I mean, if you give me a second, I could open Goodreads, but I'll mention the thing oh, that I yes. just... Another huge Alex quote. Fucking give me a second so I can open Goodreads. Stop all over us. <laughs> I heard just heard a thousand ass. people... Flexing that I have an app podcast. on my phone because That's I can't right. remember what books I read. Oh, That's whenever a I hear someone so open Goodreads, I just get so sad. Of it all because yeah. It's well, like... I will say that I just finished a book called Under the Whispering Door by TJ Klune. I read that over the weekend. Uh, really good. It's sort book of like, flex. yeah, total flex that I read a book over the, what are you even talking about anymore? The You're it's sort of that you can read. That's, you know, don't, <laughs> you don't need to rub it in our faces. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, I had somebody read this book to me, and I barely understood it. Is that better? That's it's better. Cool. Great. Uh, so this, this is sort of like yeah. uh, this is it's sort of like uh, I would say a queer pushing daisies mixed with uh, what's the what's the other one that Brian Fuller did? Was it Dead Like Me or Dead to Me? The one uh, where it was yes, um, Dead Like Me. Dead right. Like Me. Yeah, and it's about an asshole who dies. He ends up at this mystical tea shop where he's supposed to be ushered onto the other side, and he ends up hanging out there for a while and finding out about the rules of how you end up going to the afterlife and all these things. Very fun. Uh, very good. Another one... I really, I think I mentioned this before, but Rainbow Rowell's series, if you read her run on mm. Runaways and you liked her, she has this series called Simon Snow, which started as... It's a very weird history, but it started with this book called Fangirl that was about somebody who writes fanfic and was writing this pseudo Harry Potter uh, gay fanfic about a character called Simon Snow. She ended up writing an actual Simon Snow book that follows up on that, and it's part of a trilogy, and they're all pretty good. Uh, but the big ones uh, that I recommend, just looking back here, Project Hail Mary, if you guys haven't read that. It's from Andy Weir, the guy who wrote The Martian, and uh -huh. it's about the sun starts to disappear rapidly. So this dude who's not an astronaut is sent off on a mission to save everybody light years away. But it starts off at a place where he wakes up and he doesn't remember the mission. He doesn't remember himself. He doesn't know how he got here. And he's suddenly in a galaxy light years away and has to basically work backwards and figure out how to save the entire planet. So That's super cool. fun, super good. Really recommend that. Wait, when do you have time to read? Is it yeah. when your kids are also reading? I'm confused because yeah. we watch a lot of television. Mm -hmm. We podcast. We're doing a lot. And I just don't know when. You so I mentioned this, the two times that I read. Okay. I'll break it down into three chugs and then I'll move on for this. But one is I try to read at least a chapter before I go to bed at night. Um, just to get it in. Dreams? What? Uh, it does. It actually helps me sleep a lot better because if I go straight from TV or straight from like, to be perfectly honest, Yelling after doing children. these shows for three hours, I'm, 
pretty hepped up for the rest pretty of the night. Juiced. Yeah, I'm pretty no, juiced. I'm pretty juiced up. I go work out. I go lift. You're drunk. Day, like, you I just, I, I run. I take a run for like 20 miles just to like get that energy out. No, but after that, like particularly when it is like that or I've been, you know, working late or something like that, reading a chapter tends to calm me down and help me get to wow. sleep a little earlier. I run around uh, or, Prospect Park screaming uh, the exact script of our podcast aloud for anyone. Please oh, feel God, free to yes, come God, come yes. out into the... Uh, the other one, I do reading. sometimes read when the kids are reading. Like this weekend, my son and I just kind of lay on the bed and read together for a while, and it was the most awesome thing. So Aww, that was pretty cool. Adorable. And then uh, very occasionally, there's some weekends when they're just off doing their own things at this point. Like this weekend, I was oh like, oh, they're, they're downstairs. They're not paying attention to me. And I was like, flip, 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 flip. So wow. that's basically That's it. a dream. I've never experienced that with children. You'll get there. Your someday. kids are younger. <laughs> Yeah. You'll, you'll get there. It's still tough. It's still very tough. But I just started The City We Became by N.K. Jemison and uh, so very excited to read. I'm at about one page every couple weeks. So really <laughs> enjoying it. That book is awesome. I'm very excited yeah. to hear what you think of it. Uh, let's move on to another question here. This is from Kevin. When reading a comic book based on something in another medium, do you prefer a straight adaptation or a comic that transforms the source into something new? And what are some of your favorite examples? Hmm. I mean that's hmm. tough. I mean it's it's at this point we kind of uh don't want this straight adaption anymore, right? Like that used to be the thing like don't mess with something that is so perfect that we love. Uh but now it's um you know I feel like we've kind of uh, gotten to this place where we want to see the things we recognize but told in a different way in a different medium, you know. Yeah, I mean I agree. I like to see changes, uh, especially once we know it, we know it. Let's, let's do something else. But, I mean, I'm not a huge G.I. Joe fan, but the G.I. Joe books that have come out um, in the past few years, um, I thought were really interesting because they were different. Um, and they were much, uh, plug your ears, Pete, smarter than... Oh, the, how uh, dare you? G.I. Joe content. I need uh, somebody to recap what happened every 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. me I mean, on a similar note, I was a huge fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, and I just found these black and white versions that they did in comic books, which were a really interesting riff on that. Oh, they don't eat pizza and say cowabunga quite as much, but I, they're I pretty you. good. That, that filled up most of their time, if I remember correctly. <laughs> jo- Jolene is correct in the in the comments. Larry Hama's uh, G.I. Larry Hama, yeah, and I haven't read those, to be fair, but I wasn't allowed to watch G.I. Joe as a kid, so I'm, I'm behind. Yeah, That's we why know. I'm there having... Was... Pete informed me about um, like uh, barbecue and roadblock. Yeah. Come yeah, on, man. Exactly. The good stuff. Yeah. Nice. Roadblock, traffic cone, um, spare <laughs> tire, uh, all the all the traffic based Joes. Let's go over to another question here. This is from Straight Bullet. When I met Mark Russell this weekend, I had one of those awkward I'm meeting a celebrity type moments where I said, hey, Mark, I'll be seeing you on Comic Book Club. I like all your work. And he said, oh, yeah, thank you. I responded with, yeah, I curate drinks for them. I'm a chef. And he looked at me like I was an alien, and I immediately realized that I should have stopped talking when I had the chance and quickly walked away. Do any of you have any awkward celebrity moments you wish you could take back? I mean, we've talked about plenty of them on this show. So yeah. I will say that's very funny because that does sound insane. <laughs> right. uh, it doesn't sound insane. It just sounds like a little bit of an overshare to somebody who maybe doesn't No, I mean, why would you be like, I curate yeah. drinks for a comic book club? 
online. Podca- that doesn't necessarily I cur- I'm a chef. Sense. I curate drinks for a podcast about comic books. It sounds like what are you having some sort of brain mal- malfunction? Oh, uh, and a stroke of some sort. Um, I think it's a great thing to say to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll say that the next time I meet a celebrity. You should. Yeah. Yeah, that should be a that's a great opening line for any interview, especially professionally, Alex. Um, well, yeah. two, two, I have two. Um, one, obviously, our story when Alex and I were at a San Diego after party, very mm-hmm. drunk. The only thing they had left at the party uh, in Jim Lee's room uh, was, I believe, warm vodka. So Alex and I were sharing. I was those. there too, motherfucker. You weren't in the room with us, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. You had gone to bed. Oh yeah, you were true. you were too high because you were <laughs> smoking out front. <laughs> If I remember correctly, yeah. Um, and on our yeah, way out wait, the door, were we hanging out? We were hanging out with uh, Gabriel Ba, right? <laughs> was it Gabriel Ba? No, 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 no. Uh, it was either Gabriel Ba or Fabio Mood. I know. Was it? No, that's kind of ter- yeah, yeah. Because I very specifically remember. I was again very drunk, so I don't remember this very well. But I remember him being like, "No, this is how you drum on your chest like this," and Tommy and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I get it. I know what you're talking about." Um, I was not there for that conversation. That also sounds crazy. (laughs) Um, But I turned on the way out the door and I said, Jim, you're the king of San Diego. (laughs) It was didn't make any sense, uh, I'm sure, to him. And the other one, I I spent a year working for a social media based show on CNN's sister network, HLN. And I was interviewing um, George Lucas for his garbage movie strange magic um and the last question i asked him was which finger would you choose to rule the world the question that the wizard asked willow willow the right of the movie willow and i asked it and he looked at me weird and he was like that's me i wrote that and i was like yeah i know that's why <laughs> I'm and that was Way more awkward than I thought it was. I thought it was going to be like, we're going to have a little Willow moment. Like, mm-hmm. and this is before the new Willow series is ever a thing. Like, it was like a, a deep cut question that I thought he was going to respect. I, uh, similarly on an interview thing, um, I think the name of the show was Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, the one on Adult yes. Swim. That was yeah, like with the sort of great friends of the show on that. Uh, Henry Zabrowski's in that show, Craig Rowan, writer. Yeah. Who's on oh, wait, maybe I'm thinking of another one then. It was the sort of like country family one that Amy Sedaris and Patton Oswald and a couple of other um, people were in. Different so, show, yes. Different show. But I interviewed them for that, and I remember very specifically doing this thing with Amy Sedaris and one of the other actors, and I tried to play a weird game with them, and they just sat there the entire time being like, oh, no, Alex, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> and yeah. it, it wasn't funny. I, like, came up with it on the way over because I was like, I have no questions about your weird show that's unquestionable. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so they were absolutely right, but I definitely think back on that, like, eh, I should have thought about that a little better. But, oh, uh, well. All my stories are just usually me getting mad at somebody who's famous. So there's a lot of them, but they're all kind of very similar. <laughs> wow. What? What Were we there for any of them? No, you were, Pete was on the floor. Yeah, I was on the floor. <laughs> running street, around. street beat. Yeah, 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 I was running around the floor. I think uh, the one that was kind of the... I shoved my foot in my mouth at the beginning was um, the guy who's like really blown up now. 
He's on uh, This Is Us. Uh, he wrote the, uh, he had, before Berserker was Keanu Reeves, it was his idea. Uh, you're talking about um, the guy from Heroes. Uh, Milo Ventimiglia? Yeah. Milo Ventimiglia. Yeah, Milo. yeah, yeah. And, this uh, Is Us guy? Yeah, yeah, This Is Us guy. And, um, uh, you know, it was one of those things where we were talking and it was this thing about, like, he was complaining about s- sleep. And I was like, you know, sleep is all I have. You know, like, why would you want to take that away from me? And we got in this huge kind of like uh, a fight. Bef- uh, and I never recovered. It was just like this <laughs> thing. Like, sleep? Yeah, he just was coming at sleep. Like, yeah, if I didn't have to it, fucking sleep. I'd you know what? That's a, I'm sorry. That sounds like a good place. That's a good hill to plant your flag on, Pete. I'm Wait, proud of you. Like he was equally being weird as <laughs> like that's not a mess up on your part he was being weird too well either way you know i mean the, you know you, you know you're you're supposed to kind of like okay you're the famous person or whatever i'll let you do whatever your thing is but i never seem to get that right i did a web series for trident with him and um uh shannon doherty <laughs> <laughs> fact about me <laughs> nice was it cool oh. was he complaining about sleep the whole time yeah all he wanted to do no he wanted to sleep all he wanted to do was sleep oh i do have one other that i remember uh so when i was working for mtv we were doing a unofficial game of thrones after show and we had we had a pretty good run of like having game of thrones actors come in and the idea of the show was it was cooking with thrones so we'd cook a recipe from the episode and then also break down the episode at the same time so we had mm-hmm. like natalie dormer on it and uh the guy who played sam and uh, then we had some weird celebrities like Kevin Hale from Glee happened to be in, and he was a huge Game of Thrones fan, so he came on. So we had like legit celebrities and people from the show. It was not a dinky run of night show, but we're at a Comic Con, and the Red Wedding episode of Game of Thrones was going to air. And I was like, we didn't have a screener for it, but we knew the Red Wedding was going to happen. Everybody knew it was going to happen. We we're like, well, we should tape something to put up afterwards. So at the Comic Con, Felicia Day was there. And I asked her rep, I was like, hey, we'd love to have her on. This is the thing displayed. And she's like, that sounds great. Why don't we meet in the, uh, in the uh, green room and you could set it up? We're like, great. So we spent the rest of the day being like, well, it would be fun to dress up the set. And we got <laughs> hundreds of red vines and red candy to like put on to be like, since we don't have food that we can make here, we have some food you can mm. snack on while we're doing the show. And clearly her PR agent had not actually told her what was going on at all. So she walked into the green room and saw an entire table of <laughs> red vines and a camera pointed at her. We were like, right this way, Miss Day. And she was so uncomfortable about it. I eventually like talked to her about it and explained what we was doing. It was fine. But the super uncomfortable, awkward celebrity thing was on the side the entire time, just like sitting on a chair was Will Wheaton being like, this is why I told you to never do these things, Felicia. Don't do this, Felicia. And I was like, what is going on here? This is terrible. Wow. So I Slammed by Will Wheaton. Wait, why was Slam why would him. that be so weird for her? Red uh, I think like if you're expected to do an interview about the stuff you're working on and you walk in and see a table nice. covered in red vines, it's weird. Yeah. The, but just, she did, did a, a show with Felicia Day, right? With it was uh, she Spearman was in Tom. the same show with Milo Ventimiglia and Jim <laughs> Doherty. <laughs> <laughs> Not a joke for Trident. It was called the Web Ventures of Justin and Alden. 
Oh. Hey, did Alden get a Verizon of yes. Oh my God, I and heard his voice. voice talking to me. It was it's been creeping me out for a while. I'm glad we yeah. talked about that. Uh, this is from Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. Justin, have you caught up on Yellow Jackets? Pete, have you seen any of it? Alex, have you seen it now yet? Are you guys excited about finale new season announced? Have you guys watched yet? I haven't watched it yet. I I had to crush Search Party this week, uh, which is what I did, and all the other stuff that I'm watching and we're watching. So um, <clears throat> I haven't watched it yet. Pete? Nope. Great. Uh, yeah, I have I seen the finale. Wait, I have seen the finale. Can't talk about it at all or even hint or mention what I thought about it. Reviews are embargoed until after it airs. Uh, but if people are checking it out, it's been kind of insane how much steam this show has gotten yes. over the course of the run. Like It is legit word of mouth hit. And if you have the time this weekend, the finale is Sunday night. Well worth just getting like the one week Showtime trial, oh, binging fuck. the nine episodes. I'm going to crush it this week. Yeah, I it's worth it. Because today. This is one that like, again, uh, zero I am saying about the finale. It's just pretty clear this is a finale that like people are going to talk about it. Like, oh man, you missed it. What are you talking about? You got to get caught up. So yeah, sorry. there you go. Uh, this is from Shenanigans over here on Crowdcast. Like Darren McGavin guest starring in X-Files as an homage to Kolchak, what are some of your favorite guest appearances that are homages to older TV shows or movies? Ooh, guest appearances as an older homage. Well, I love how, um, we get, uh, Wesley Ship is his name, the original Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, how he's popped up in Flash. John Wesley Ship, yeah. John Wesley Ship, that's it. Yeah. Um, so good. I love the original Flash series, so the fact that they're willing to pay pay homage like that is great. That's pretty awesome. Pete, you got one? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's done answering questions. <laughs> great. That's it for Pete. Thanks, Pete. Uh, the Man, it's tough. All I'm rattling through are like Doctor Who guest stars and stuff, but that's nope. ridiculous. Nope. Nope. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> Vincent Fad Go. He's a classic TV character, right? Uh, I guess in a way. Um, yeah. Who else? I mean, I feel like that's such a thing to do now is to yeah. have have that um, that throwback character. Uh, I mean, I'll mention one. Lazy, this is getting though. into our next question, but I thought it was super fun how Luke's friends from Star Wars, who I believe were cut mostly out of the movie, were in the last episode of Book of Boba oh. Fett. Yeah. Are mm. oh, you guys that. enjoying that now, or are you still fucking hating on you pieces of shit? The second episode was much better than the first, I thought. Mm-hmm. I still don't care about the flashbacks. Oh, you fucking. Well, the I show mean, was I... so much fun. The uh, the the train robbery thing was cool. Like, I, uh... I guess here's here's the thing that was kind of holding me up about it is. I know it was technically, I guess, a wagon robbery, but we had the same thing in the first season of Mandalorian, right? Where he was uh, trying to get on the Jawas. Um, I'm forgetting what the vehicle is called, but he's trying to get on there. It felt Alex, very similar. Do your research. You yeah, know the Jawas vehicle? Kind of I don't really watch this nerd shit, so I'm just oh, trying to keep up with you guys. Sandcrawler. Sandcrawler, yeah. Shouts he was trying to get on the Sandcrawler, and it felt like this was just a train going through the desert. Which it to was me, weird that the train was just like, we just go wherever we want. Yeah, like, this is just a track. loose train. Yeah, this like, isn't even like a there. vehicle. 
it's just straight up a trade that Hunter well, and I, I I think your note as well. Uh, I I agree with you. Like the it feels like hey, this is the same as the Mandalorian, but it's with a guy who's um we see his face versus the stuff in the quote unquote present. I think is great. I it's love cool. that. Yeah. The, the stuff Wookie the assassin. Are... Come on, that was exciting. Black, black uh, Black Cranston. I don't think that that actually says Cranston. There's a couple Cr- R's. You guys, Cranston. Cranston. I think is what yeah. it is. But he's straight from the Marvel comics, which is very cool. Yeah. That was yeah. super. Kieran fun. Gillen, Ron, right? Yeah. Yes. Darth Vader. Uh, yeah, so Vader, that's yep. super fun. I freaked out seeing him. Love the Hut cool. twins. They were super fun. I was like, oh this is God. great. We're really getting somewhere. And then he's like, oh, I got punched once. I have to go back in my back to tank and remember my whole life. Oh, I was like, stop oh, it. God. Yeah. Let's move you forward. You survived the Starlight. I don't care. I don't need to know how Boba Fett got his brand new stick. Like, that's not a story that I'm interested <laughs> in finding out. How dare you? Who Who's cares? Oh, he got some new clothes. I've been spending every single appearance that he had in Mandalorian and every episode. I was like, whoa, why is he wearing those black clothes under his regular Boba Fett armor? This is what I'm concerned about. I don't care. I don't care. You're a fucking asshole, dude. I agree with Pete. I want to know where all the sticks come from. (laughs) That's right. Every stick has a story. He's in the desert and then he wakes up and he's got a stick. How the fuck did that happen? Here's what I want to know. Here's what it's I want to know, right? What I want to know is, like, is seventh episode, is that going to be the episode where he's going to get in the back to tag and flash back to buying the back to tag? Because that's going to be super sweet. Where did he get it? Who did he, did he get it from Watto, it. maybe? Maybe he got it from Watto. Plus, his is a lay-down bathtub tank, which is different than Luke's, which is a stand-up. And I, I feel like that's... Uh, there's so much story there. Yeah, it's a lot of story. I mean, there's as much story there as there is in the rest of the show currently. Yes. Uh, and that transitions nicely into the next question from Jonathan McCool. Can we get Alex to shit all over the episode of Boba Fett that has not come out yet? Um wow. I don't. I want. I want to like it. I want to like the show. I want to like it more than I am liking it. And I do think again the stuff of the present. There's a lot of stuff they could do there, but I'm very trepidatious to watch tomorrow's episode if it's going to be like two minutes of things happening where Ming Na Wen is like, Ugh, and Boba the Fett. Boba the Fett. Boba Fett is well, like Boba the Fett. That's what I Boba said. The Fett. The Fett. Boba the Fett talks hey, to one Boba more person and is like, "Ooh, I'm tired again." Let me oh, remember <laughs> walking person. through the desert or whatever it does. Well, I do think if they can find a way to differentiate the show a little bit more from The Mandalorian, it will be better. Yeah. And maybe that's what they're going to do. Going I, Maybe uh, this is partially, mind you, expectations, I guess. But I feel like the story was like, here's a gangster mob story set in the Star Wars universe. Very cool. And then instead, like you're saying, Justin, it just goes... Back to the Mandalorian, or it's like dances with wolves, but in the Star Wars universe. And Go I've already seen dances with wolves. Go fuck. But several nice. times. recently, hey. right? What hey. a what a rewatch. What a rewatch dances Great. with wolves must be. Um, I just feel like also the Mandalorian was more fun because he messed up a lot and was not great. So you could they were constantly undercutting this very self-serious character. Boba, they don't seem to want to do that as much. He doesn't get to be as fun. And I hope he gets to be more fun because, Pete, I want this to be good just like you. It is good, you fucking assholes. Right. Is it good or do you just like Star Wars things? I love Star Wars things. 
Uh, not all Star Wars things are good. I've had to watch a lot of things that weren't enjoyable. Name I'm one. Ha- Name I've... one not good Star Wars thing. <laughs> oh, I can't think God. of a single one. Uh, I just, uh, it just upsets me. The... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm learning, uh, you know, things. To wow. Uh, everyone's present. shutting down. What if he had a baby Boba? If mm-hmm. it was Boba and baby Boba. No. In a little hub. What I would thing. love, not to bring him up again, but I would love a little baby Watto who would be like, eh, <laughs> come on, <laughs> Manny. Who would say slightly anti Semitic things. Yeah. <laughs> love him, Manny. That's. No, Watto is. I feel like he's done, right? We're done uh, with Watto. Yeah, probably. First time I saw myself on screen. Uh, this is um, from Nat Townsend. Wow. Oh, that's <laughs> fucked up. Uh, Jolene, I'd rather see a separate show about Ming Nguyen. Yes. Hell yeah. And as I said, I think Ming Nguyen needs a chair. She has to stand for so much in this show and get her a stool, and that'll change the whole vibe. Uh, this is here's uh, challenging us to history section, which is usually taken by Kevin, but I guess we'll see it at Nat t- this time. Oh. What are some other earlier instances of influential supernatural fiction like Kolchak from before superhero genre fiction went so mainstream? Sorry to put you on the spot. Feel free to come back to this one next week. All right, <laughs> next Nat. Week. All right, uh, great, maybe Nat. in my we'll 60s when week. I've retired and <laughs> read a bunch of <laughs> old paperbacks I find um, in a, some sort of basement. Uh, old things that are oh, good refs. <laughs> old things that are good refs. <laughs> uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Is that what you want to know, uh, Nat? Is that what you're looking for? That's what you want. <laughs> uh, well, Pete's nice. gone. Oh, Pete's uh, gone. I'm trying to think. I mean, so much of that stuff has been mined uh, to death. Um, so what? I mean, I think we the Twilight Zone reboot is not great, um, and that particular type of story, like anthology, that is like, I mean, Black Mirror updated it successfully, but we don't have that sort of everyday, down to earth, terrifying story that takes a modern issue and, and explores it through science fiction. That's something I would like to see. Good call. Uh, we got one last one here. It's another book and Boba Fett one from Jolene. When does book of Boba Fett take place? Cause like Jabba's barge was there when he climbed out of the Sarlacc pit, but Baba Boba looks like so much older than the oldest clone trooper. Uh, first of all, it's the uh, pit of Carcoon and it's called the Sarlacc pit. But... whatever you want to call it i guess i guess you're not a real fan but uh and of course don't go at fucking jolene book of boba fett as we all know takes place uh nine aby right guys i mean i'm sorry that you know that so quickly (laughs) i do uh Uh, not uh, nine years after the battle of yavin guys good Guys? No, I do know uh, that way of keeping time. But I mean, the real answer is because the actor is older and they just, you know, you can't young up him. <laughs> he's <laughs> he is that he is who he is. And he looks like he's great. He he looks like he's in great shape for all of the hard stuff that he has to do. Mm-hmm. But in general, it's a bit like Roger Moore, James Bond, where it's like, oh, this guy is just not built for fighting and doing that stuff because he's older and <laughs> doesn't karate chop well yeah and the reason the barge is there is so you can tell which sarlacc pit it is that's that's pretty much it well the barge was left there you know it was exploded there so of course not like someone's gonna be like 
Oh, I guess maybe there would be people that would come through in a sand crawl and be like, let's get this junk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, Julian says it was still smoking. Uh, first of all, that's a line from The Mask, right, Pete? Somebody stop you. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a Fred Flintstone line from the early oh. incarnations of Fred <laughs> Flintstone. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the implication was he went into the Sarlacc and then got out relatively quickly. He was not in there for a very long period of time. But he was going to be digested over the course of a thousand years. That's like, right. He had some time. Right. But maybe he was in there for like a day or two. Tops. How many minutes after the Battle of Yavin was he in there, Al? <laughs> Great question. I'll work that out in my head right now. Actually, I can't because we got to move on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete page all right this is the part we give back to you the lovely audience it's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars to midtown comics online because if you had 25 bucks you go to a comic book shop uh zelbs we have a person right we have we all have a person out there somewhere but we do have a person for trivia as well and this week it is john mccool who i have welcomed into the stream nice. now if you would like to play trivia i'm going to drop a link in the chat here on Crowdcast and YouTube. Also, you can check it out at Comic Book Live. All you got to do is submit to do the trivia, and we will bring you on. And I don't want to ruin it, but you're definitely going to win $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Well, and learn a little bit about um, Harry Reid, Senator Harry Reid, I think we established. Ooh, that's in order, right? All right. Hello, books. Look at this, books. Books. I, I read all those books. Oh, <laughs> don't flex on us, bro. Don't flex on us. Hey, great to see you. Thanks for war. joining us. Totally read it. Nah. <laughs> you're sort of pushing it a little hard. It makes me feel like you haven't read any of them. Oh, that was awesome. peace. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. That's All so right, funny. let's get this trivia started. That's Since... the truth. That's the truth, right there. Is we might as well have a sign that says books because it's all. <laughs> Sorry, peace. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Betty White, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. Which comic coming out in April has a hero dying? Is it A, Spider-Man, B, Thor, or is it C, Rick Dutch Cousin? So it's either A, Spider-Man, don't pick it, or it's B, Thor. Uh, B. That is correct. Uh, They have said that someone is dying in Thor and it's going to be a hero. All right, here we go. Question number two. Teeny Howard will start writing which comic and be teaming up with Miss Marvel artist Nico Leone? Is it A, She-Hulk, B, Catwoman, or C, Gene Smart. So it's either A, mm. She-Hulk, don't pick it, or it's B, Catwoman. Hmm. i use my thinking beard on that one. Nice. I think I'll go with B. B is correct, nice. and that is a sweet thinking beard, by the way. I Much have an unthinking beard. All right, here we go. Thank Last you. one. Who recently signed a mostly exclusive deal with Image Comics? Is it A, Dan Slott, B, Jeff Lemire, or is it C, Joan Plowright? So it's either A, Dan Slott, don't pick it, or B, Jeff Lemire. Hmm, I'll go with Jeff Lemire. 
That is ah, correct. Amazing. Yes. yes. Great work. Congratulations. You have won a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. And is the movie, Pete, that you've been intimating with the third answer is bringing down the house? That's right. The wow. 2003 pop- problematic hit, Bring It Down the House. <laughs> problematic <laughs> hit. And as we know, that is uh, been carved into Betty White's tombstone. Now, Pete, let me ask you um, before we move past trivia: um, What do we th- we Robert Durst next week, or are you worried about the backlog of dead celebrities? <laughs> yeah, it's happening fast, and it's sad, and it's tough to keep up. But uh, Mr. McCool, thank you for joining us. Been a pleasure. <laughs> thank. You. Keep All reading. Right. There you go. Once again, if you want to do trivia, uh, check out that link and please submit and. And now that New York gambling is legal in New York, I'm running a um, a site every week where we try to we wager on what the dead celebrity Pete's going to bring to trivia. Next is because there's a lot of hot celebs out there. Bob That's Saget right. popping off here in the comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's wasn't uh, Sydney Poitier first though. That's what I'm saying. I think oh, there's a lot of pretty, there's and a lot just of to possible... mention again, you have already you've skipped Senator Henry Reed, Harry Reid. Harry Reid. Harry Reid. Wow. Harry if Reed. you don't know his wow. name, Alex, he's not trivia. Worthy. I'm not. I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge of trivia. This right, beautiful yeah. tribute. As we all know, new comics come out all the time. What are you guys looking forward to, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> Coming out all the time. I'm looking forward to Dark Ages number four, as well as Batman or Robin and Batman number three. Hmm. Uh, Justin. I was going to say Robin and Batman number three as well. It's a fantastic read. But I, in in lieu of that, I'm going to shout out Rain number one oh, um, yeah, coming out of some Image Comics, um, which is uh, written by uh, Chris Rael based on, I believe, based on a story by Joe Hill. Is that accurate? Um, great it's it's edited movie. by Chris Rael. Chris Rael does a backup ah. story. But yes, I, oh, but yeah, right, right. it is based on a story by Joe Hill, which is a real good story. And it's a just a great comic, I'm assuming, here um, with really beautiful art by uh, Ashley Wood and Zoe Thorogood. Uh, I'm looking forward to What's the Furthest Place from Here, number three, Ooh, I yeah, believe, from Image Comics. This book is so good. We had Matthew Rosenberg on the show a couple of Bergy. Ago to talk about this book. Uh, it is a post apocalyptic story of a bunch of different tribes, all of whom are made uh, out of kids. Uh, there's a bunch of weird, potentially supernatural weirdness going on, but it's so good, so involving. And the art by Tyler Boss is so good. And folks, that is it for this week's show. If yeah. you. A uh, couple of things. We want to thank James Aquilone for being on the podcast. Check out Kolchak, the Night Stalker 50th anniversary, which is on Kickstarter right now. Yeah. Mark Russell, don't forget to check out DC's One Star Squadron, yes. which is uh, issue two is on stand and issue three is coming out next month. Also, Batman Urban Legends number 11, yes. which just came out. Fun Great story. Ass. And there's a Ace. bunch of other stories in there, too, that are good. There absolutely are. Next week on the show, we're going to have two more guests for you guys. Warwick Johnson Cadwell is going to be here to talk about Falcon Spear. And Rich Wojcicki is going to be here to talk about Deadbeats and Miscreants. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. You can subscribe, listen, and follow on iTunes, Android, Spotify, or Stitcher, or the app of your choice. Don't forget to leave us a question or a review suggestion in the iTunes reviews at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Shop. Feel better, Aaron? 
Put your shirt on, Alec. Good night. Never. Never.